Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Welcome in, everyone, to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am the aforementioned Xander, episode 9, here on the final day of March in 2021. We thank you for listening, and in addition to listening, remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts Podcast. It's the greatest podcast in the world. Tell them, and if you don't, you're lying to them, so don't do that. And follow us on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. It's episode 9. It's the end of March, beginning of April. And this week, we've got Final Four Talk because the college basketball season is coming to a conclusion this weekend. It's the Final Four in the National Championship. I'll give you my picks after, well, last week wasn't as bad as my first bracket. But, I don't know, my National Champion's still in, though. Keep bragging about that. But, first, last week... I ended by saying we were going to talk about immigration because I wanted to talk about it last week when we just had so much to talk about. So this week we're going to focus on the southern border because it's been gaining a lot of attention recently. There's been an influx of migrants at the southern border. We've seen a pretty significant increase in the individuals who are coming to the southern border over the last few months. You know, ever since President Biden was elected and has been inaugurated, does that have something to do with it? Uh, we'll talk about that. But a lot of people are saying that as the administration's being more welcoming than the Trump administration. <laughs> that makes a little sense. Although, there are some facts that I'm going to show you that may make that claim a little exaggerated, and you're going to see why. So, let's do a little deep dive here. I've been doing a couple of deep dives the past couple of weeks. I like them. I hope you like them. Because here we go. We're going to do another one here on immigration. So, foundations of this crisis, they go way back. I mean... We've been dealing with this for decades. It's been amped up recently, especially with the last two administrations. So President Obama had a lot of difficulties dealing with these issues at the border. He ended up deporting a large number of illegal immigrants that were in the country. We always talk about how more Democrats are more immigrant-friendly, but the Obama administration was pretty harsh on illegal immigrants, especially in the U.S. But... We could put most of the blame on the last administration. I mean, <laughs> we could do that for a lot of things. We're going to do that here, probably deservedly so, with the Trump administration. So, all right, let's just get this out of the way first. The holding facilities that the Trump administration used when they had the family separation policy, which was not a policy under Obama, but the facilities were built under Obama's administration as holding facilities, not to place children that were separated from their families, which the Trump administration did. That's a whole thing that people whine about. The, the clarification there for you. So Democrats have always had issues messaging their plans for a solution at the border. They've had, they're having major solutions right now. The recent polls have showed Biden is way in the green for approval on COVID and economy and way in the red for 
immigration. This is a major issue that could potentially derail the Biden administration and plans they have for other topics in these next two and four years especially. So Democrats have struggled, not just the Biden administration, Obama, this was one of his weak spots too. And Trump seized on that. Eh, talk about the wall. Okay, we don't need a wall. He said, this is still a thing for him. We need a wall. We don't need a wall. It's an archaic structure. I mean, it might have worked a couple centuries ago, but now we have a lot more technology that we can use for a better border. I mean, come on. Another thing the Trump administration did that Trump probably wanted to do a lot sooner, but Covum gave him an excuse. So back in March of last year, 2020, Trump closed the border to non-essential travel, and he did this with something called Title 42, which worked under the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, claiming the coronavirus was to blame. So Title 42 allowed the administration to close the border to non-essential travel because of a virus that was going around, the coronavirus. So while this was true, coronavirus was to blame, it gave Trump some cover for something he basically wanted to do. He's totally anti-immigrant, which I don't understand why the Republicans are so anti-immigration. This is a country built by immigrants. We wouldn't be here without immigrants in this country. I don't get it. Because they say they're going to take our jobs. They're going to bring drugs. They're going to bring crime. They're rapists. Some are good people, though. That That's okay. Some are good people. And culture of fear. That's what it is. The Muslim ban. That's immigration. I mean, that was just racist, but it was also culture of fear. Immigration stopped the Muslims from coming to America. That's what we did. We talked about the Chinese immigration last week, hundreds of years ago, how we've treated Chinese in this country. And we're treating these people that need help. They're coming here because they need help. Let's get to that in a second. But last year, only 1% of migrants were able to seek protection at the border. Out of 650,000 that were met at the border, 1% of those were able to seek asylum. That, that number's usually much higher. So, Biden's administration's getting hit hard by this. This is their worst issue. They've got the liberal media uh, complaining about what they're doing at the border. So, here are the facts. So, the Biden administration has actually continued... Title 42. So that still essentially closes the border to non-essential travel and migrants because they're citing COVID. Now, the UN actually is saying this is illegal, that they can't do this. And they were saying about that about Trump. But the Biden administration is continuing Title 42. So the argument that the border is open is false. However, the administration has allowed for migrant children, unaccompanied children, to seek protection or claim asylum in the U.S. And that's something that even the Trump administration rarely, if ever, allowed. And I said the 1%. They rarely, if ever, allowed that under the rule that's been in place for about a year now. And the Biden had a press conference on this last week where a lot of it was about immigration, how the border is not totally open. And that's true. It's not. The rule that they have in place tells you it's not. But they're doing something different than the Trump administration, which is allowing these unaccompanying children to seek asylum 
in the U.S. because, you know, that's what Biden's basically saying is that's inhumane. I'm not going to turn away children who are struggling. A lot of them are teenagers, but there are some really young children who are coming to the border unaccompanied. So the argument's false that he totally reopened the border. So because most migrants are being turned away. So in February, this is according to Customs and Border Protection, 70,100 migrants were turned away out of 97,000. It's a fact. That's a large number. You know, the Biden administration's allowing a lot more migrants to come in than the Trump administration, but almost all these are unaccompanied children. So this has led to an overflow, but it's actually not at peak levels. So according to CBP, who I just mentioned, in May of 2019, there were 11,475 unaccompanied children who were detained at the border. May of 2019 was actually the largest peak of immigration at the southern border for the Trump administration. It's been the largest peak of immigration uh, in a long time at the southern border. That number last month in February was 9,297. In fact, the spike of May and June of 2014, that was 10,600 in each of those months. So that was larger than what we're experiencing right now. Quick facts! But the problem is that that spike was during the Obama administration, who did not have to come after, months after, an administration that did not care about the facilities at the southern border. So there's a major lack of facility space, and that's led to the images we've seen at the sites of the border. Children all crumped up, you know, <laughs> during COVID, all bundled up together, and it's the failure of the Trump administration that's that to not provide space. Biden administration has been in place for a little over two months now, you know, and they're beginning to send more troops and soldiers and uh, build more facilities down there to house these migrants. But, you know, they really don't have room for all of them because of the Trump administration. So it is true that the Biden administration has relaxed some restrictions, mainly the unaccompanied children part, but the notion of an open border where anyone can come, that's false. So, and Biden, I'll give you this, I disagree with Biden here when he said he was asked last week in his press conference if his rhetoric and the notion that he is more welcoming, his administration is more welcoming to provide these migrants asylum is what is sending him them here he didn't think so that's probably not true it probably is a deciding factor a lot of it has to do with you know covid is clearing up there's a fourth wave that might be coming though and that's not good but we can talk about that a little bit down the line but it's not as bad as it was because 2020 was a record low year for immigration in the u.s from the southern border when 2019 was, you know, record high, record low down in 2020 because of COVID, mainly. I mean, that's the big thing. Everybody was staying home, even the Central American countries, which we're going to talk about why they're coming to here from there in a second. But, you know, this whole notion that the open, it's in a border, you know, that's not true. But the message is out there that the policies are more humane than Trump's. 
So that's why they're coming. So is there actually an influx? Mm, yes, there is. So on March 16th, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said that the U.S. is on pace to encounter more migrants on the southern border this year than in the last 20 years, higher than that 2014 spike, higher than that 2019 spike. So the numbers before have shown that that number is high, but it's not at peak levels yet. And if the trend continues and might get that way, the messaging is changing, though. They're, you know, the Biden administration is being more strict on saying you probably should not come right now because of COVID and because we really don't have space to help you, then, you know, the message might change and that might change as well. But there's certainly an influx, especially in the last few months, but it's not on par with Trump's crisis that he dealt with in summer 2019 yet. And that was with the whole family separation thing that got everybody in a dizzy and you know who knows why he did that jeff sessions i think i don't know good people don't smoke marijuana so i said why are these migrants coming well this actually might be the most important question that we have to ask because it leads us to the source of why we are having this crisis at the southern border and some pretty stark revelations about what's actually going on south of the u.s in the americas so these people are coming from harsh conditions in central america and mexico there are struggling economies and there's government corruption in the northern triangle that are just the tipping point for these struggles and when i say the northern triangle i mean el salvador guatemala and honduras in central america those three nations belize is also in there east of guatemala but the major driving force, I'd say, is the violence. El Salvador has the highest homicide rate in the world. They have a 52.02 rating per 100,000 people. That's the highest in the world. Honduras is fifth at 38.93. And Belize, which I said is in that area, is sixth. Guatemala is 18th. There's this 22.50. And in comparison to those, the U.S. is 94th at 4.96. Too many facts. So it is much more dangerous in those countries. That data is from uh, the United Nations in 2018, by the way. And most of it's gang violence. That has become the major cause. It is running rampant, even in these rural areas in these countries in Central America. And the governments, I told you, they're corrupt. They're not doing anything about it. They're running these countries. The gangs are. And Mexico is actually 13th on the homicide rate list. It's much more dangerous in Mexico than the U.S. I think that's been given. I think that's common knowledge for a lot of people. But it might not be for these Central American countries where, you know, Costa Rica is a pretty nice country. But these countries to the north, the Northern Triangle of Central America, they are some of the most dangerous places in the world. Like, if you went there... You would not feel safe. Huh. But another factor is climate change. How about this? There have been two massive hurricanes that have left thousands of people homeless in Honduras. Along with drought in these areas, they've created food shortages. And so now, on top of the violence that, that has been causing these other surges for years and years, now climate change, the weather is affecting Central America. 
And now there's more reasons to come to the U.S. Because we have the necessities for these people that they even don't have. No home, no electricity, no food, no clean water in their own countries. So, of course, they're going to try to come here. So, what can the U.S. do about it? Well, good question, because I'll tell you. So, the Biden administration, I told you they're sending more soldiers right now. They're trying to help ease the overcrowding for the time being in the sites that they have at the border. Mexico is also restricting access across its southern border. They tried to do that during the early parts of COVID. Uh, That didn't really amount to much, though. Because, you know, most people just didn't come last year. They sent 9,000 troops to their southern border, and they have been meeting with the U.S. to help coordinate efforts as well. Mexican southern border is a lot less secure, I'd say, than the U.S.'s southern border with Mexico. It's, I think it's like a river. And ours, a lot of it is the Rio Grande, but... You know, I think they, a lot of people just walk in to Mexico. That's how it is down there. Whoa. And so that's what they're doing right now. But long term, which is what you're going to have to do for this, because they're just going to keep coming and coming. You have to do something long term. So right now, the the Biden administration is hoping to continue the policies that Obama put in place to send aid. So back in 2014... President Obama increased the aid that the U.S. sent to the Northern Triangle to $750 million, which would address the root causes of the migrations to the U.S. So actually, according to the Council on Foreign Relations, the homicide rates in these areas actually began to drop until 2019, which was when Trump froze the aid. He said the governments were failing to curb migration. You know, he's got to go. Can't be patient. Got to go. And they weren't patient. And the progress stopped. And now you're seeing a lot more violence in these countries right now, which is why another reason COVID is lightening up in Central America, too. And so the violence is coming back. That's what we're seeing in the U.S. We're starting to see more mass shootings. They're starting to see more violence in the Northern Triangle. And that's why we're getting another influx. That's part of it, along with the new administration. So... The Biden administration, Biden actually proposed this during his campaign, but they're still focused on this. A $4 billion, billion with a B, commitment to revitalizing the efforts that were started by the Obama administration. This money would be directed to civil society organizations, reform-minded public institutions, and vulnerable communities. The rural communities are some of the most dangerous areas in the world, as I said. So... What the aim is to do is to reduce poverty, curb violence, and build climate resilience. Well, we need some climate resilience in here, but they also need it in Central America. And in return, it should help curb migration to the U.S. from the Northern Triangle. And this has been talked about, but Trump stopped it for some reason, that we need to be sending foreign aid. It's foreign aid. I know, America first. Oh, but... That's going to help our problems here, too. If we send money to these countries who are sending us their people because they can't take care of them, because they don't have basic necessities, if we give them those basic necessities with our money, then they 
might not give us the influx of migrants that we probably don't need at the border. Immigration is great, but we can't have, you know, tons and tons of people overcrowding the system, especially when the system is at a vulnerable breaking point, which is what Trump left it at, basically. And the Mexican president actually has praised the plan. He spoke with Biden earlier this month. He said it would also help the struggling economy in southern Mexico because Guatemala and Belize border southern Mexico. They have struggles there, too, with basic necessities. And those people are migrating to northern Mexico and the U.S. So a lot of those people, it would help those areas as well. It would help the nations in Central America, and it would help curb the crisis at the southern border. All of this, this $4 billion. Oh, no. No, no, not! Spending more money. Well, it's either that, or we're just going to have to keep dealing with this. So, you know, what are the other? I mean, come on. That's the big thing with immigration right now. I hope this cleared a lot of that up, because there's a lot of talk. Oh, it's all Biden's fault. Oh, no, it's Trump. Well... I wouldn't say it's all Trump's fault or all Biden's fault. It's really more of Trump's fault because he's left the system in such a disarray that, you know, we're getting an influx. And they, you know, Customs and Border Protection has said that during the spring and summer months, which we are in, it's March, almost April, we usually see an influx of migrants to the southern border at this time. So this is kind of expected in a way, but you know, it's record increase. And there's a bunch of factors that I said that are prompting it and the systems in such a disarray that it's caused this mess that probably shouldn't be totally blamed on the current administration. But you know, if time goes on, let's say weeks and months, and it just does not get better. And we continue to see, you know, more migrants unaccompanied children really continue to pour in and they just don't have any place to put them, then we've got a big issue on our hands. But right now, I'd say, you know, pump the brakes. I mean, come on, people. You know, especially conservatives who may have supported Biden, you know, just thought Trump was totally nuts, who are now going after him on this, you know, pump the brakes. I mean, come on. Let's just take the second here. He's been off in office for two months. Give him, Give me a break. Come on. So that's what's going on at the southern border right now. Hopefully we'll be able to get something. You know, hopefully migration will go down. It's going to take a while, though, for those factors that we talked about for that aid to actually work. It took a couple of years when Obama did it. This is a lot more money that Biden's preparing to send down. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Fight me. But let's switch gears and let's go to basketball because the final four is this weekend the teams are set it's the final four teams in college basketball and i will give you my picks next as the zaders facts podcast continues Xander's facts all right, welcome back, y'all. Zaders Facts Podcast. Let's move to the college basketball world because it's the final weekend of college basketball this year. But it's the final four. It begins this Saturday. We're not going to talk about my bracket. Even last week, yeah, it is okay. But my national champion is still out there. So we got a chance. We got a chance for a pretty good one. But this Saturday, 5 o'clock and 8.30 are the two games. They both take place in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts. 
So here's my pick. So, okay, <laughs> first off, we had total chaos at this tournament. I mean, we had tons of double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16, and now we're down to two one-seeds, a two-seed, and an 11-seed. Let me go on. Wow! But... The first game is Houston out of the Midwest and Baylor out of the South region. So that's the 2v1 game. So Houston pulled out a close one against Oregon State, Sweet 16. And Baylor really showed their strength against an Arkansas team that would not go away in that game. I think that Baylor's the most talented team in the country and they're not going to be beat here. That's why I picked them to be the national champion. I think they're going to win. And move on to the national championship. The other game is Gonzaga out of the West region, the one seed, and UCLA, the 11th seed out of the East region. Ooh, ooh. And Gonzaga dominated all the way against USC. They've dominated all their games in this tournament. UCLA, though, from the first four to the final four, I mean, they made it this far. I don't know how far they'll get, though. Gonzaga, though, I talked about Back when I was with Andrew and I did the whole predictions for the first time, I said that in some of their games against inferior opponents, they struggled at the beginning of games. They haven't shown me that in this tournament. So I'm going with Gonzaga in this one. I think it'll be a close one, though, because people are going to doubt UCLA, the 11th seed, but you got to watch out because they might give some trouble. I think Gonzaga wins. And they'll move on to play Baylor in the national championship game, which is Monday at 9 o'clock on CBS Eastern. 9 o'clock East. Oh, my gosh. That's late. That game won't end until 1130. And then, ugh, whatever. All right. So, 1v1, Baylor v. Gonzaga, the two most talented teams in the country all year, finally meet up in the national championship game. And it seemed like these were the two best teams all year long. We finally get to see them play each other. We were going to see them play each other in December. I said this a few weeks ago. Gonzaga had a COVID pause in December, and so they had to cancel the game they were going to play on a neutral site against Baylor, and they were 1v2 in the standings then. So now we're going to see them play in the national championship game after not seeing in the regular season. I think this might not happen, but it will. Because Zayder's facts. Gonzaga, I think, is going to start to show some troubles for the first time because Baylor is just tough. And I think the Bears are going to come out on fire and they're going to slow the Zags down just enough for that offense to pull away. Baylor will win the game by a surprising margin. Remember that? Surprising. And they will become the national champions of the world of college basketball. They will get their first ever national championship. How about that? They were the runner-ups back in 1948. And they'll finally get it this year, I think. And how about that? I picked them to win the championship. And they're in the Final Four. This last time, 2019, I picked Duke. So, eh, they didn't make it this far. Because Zion, oh my gosh, I love Zion. We'll see if I'm right next week. But that's going to do it for this week of Xander's Facts. Episode 9 is in the books. And next week, we're going to recap the National Championship. Final Four, we'll see if my predictions turn out right. They probably will because Xander's Facts. Eh, I don't know about that. And another sporting event is coming up next week. Golf. 
Yes! Oh my gosh! You all pick golf. But it's the Masters week. It's the biggest golf week of the year. Come on, I got a special guest to help me break down the Masters. That's next week. So, remember, subscribe, download, rate, review, all that stuff that you love to do for the Xander's Facts Podcast. And following on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the socials. And spread of the word, the Xander's Facts Podcast, episode 9, is officially in the books. And we will see y'all next week.